Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor Tyson Harold, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. Well, thank you for being with us today. Excuse me. As we begin our family series, it's a dysfunctional family series. And uh, what we're going to do over the next four weeks is look at four dysfunctional families from the Bible. Now, I made a list. I stopped at 15 in the Bible of all the dysfunctional families. And most of you are in a dysfunctional family. And so I hope that the next four weeks will be an encouragement to you. I, I will tell you, as I've been studying this out, it is a challenge as well. Matter of fact, if you find yourself today sitting here thinking, well, my family's probably okay, we're, we're generally all right, um, you're probably the dysfunctional part of your family, you just don't know it yet. And so I would encourage you to stick with us for the next couple of weeks as we look at these families, and today is, is uh, one of my favorite families, we'll talk about that in just a moment, but one of the most popular websites going right now is Ancestry.com, and I don't know if you've heard of this website, you can um, send for way for a kit. In that kit, they'll send you, you spit into a tube, you send it back to them, and they'll give you the, the results of what your family history is. Fascinating stuff. Some people have found out they're related to celebrities or mobsters or, or whoever. So I, one caveat, I was on vacation this past week, and was with a friend, and she told me that her brother, though, did this and found out that um, her and her brother have different dads, and no one ever told them. So be careful if you go looking for this. You may find things that you're not ready to find. Um, but it is fascinating because every single one of us wants to know where we came from. We want to have a better understanding of why we're the way that we are. And there's one thing that every family has in common, and that's dysfunction, because we're sinners. And sin is the one thing that we share with every single family back to the very first family. And so every family has dysfunction of some sort which is why I think it's so important to look at what God's word has to say around this. And so each week we'll look at one component of dysfunction in one particular family. And I hope that it'll, it'll work in your own life to evaluate where you're at in regards to your own family as well. Today we're going to start with what you could call the first, not the first family, but one of the first families where it all started. And we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Joseph, if you, we're not talking about Jesus' earthly father, but we're talking about Joseph, who was second in command of all of Egypt. Now, if you don't know who Joseph is, let's back up even further. Adam and Eve. Let's start with Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had a bunch of kids who had a bunch of kids who had a bunch of kids who had a bunch of kids. You get the idea. And they had a kid named Abraham. And Abraham was made a promise by God that he would be a great nation and that God would bless him and that his family would be like the sands on the seashore. And Abraham had a kid named Isaac. And Isaac had a kid named Jacob. And Jacob had 12 kids. Well, he had more, but 12 sons in particular. And those 12 sons became the leaders of the 12 tribes of Israel. And so the 12 tribes of Israel, one of those is, it was Joseph. And Joseph is who we're going to look at today because Joseph dealt with one really dysfunctional family. Matter of fact, you could say they're all dysfunctional. But Joseph in particular handled his dysfunction in a way that I think that can help each one of us regardless of where you're at. Whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're widowed, divorced, son, daughter, whoever you might be, this entire series applies to you. And you can't escape the fact that God designed a family for us and that every single person in here is a part of a family. Today, what we're going to look at, though, is the idea of forgiveness. And so 
dysfunction usually starts with an event. I want to recap Joseph's life real quick for you. There's a chart on your bulletin, and there's also one behind me. And on that chart, you'll see a a brief summary of Joseph's life. You know, it started, Joseph was a, a kid, and as he was a kid, he had a dream one day, and that dream was an event that sparked dysfunction for the rest of his life. It's marked by an X on this chart behind me, and there's probably an event. Somebody said something. Somebody did something in your family. Something happened in your family, and there's an event that sparked perhaps years of dysfunction, and that happened when Joseph had a dream that one day his brothers would bow down to him. Now, I'm the oldest brother. If my younger brother came to me and said one day I would do that, I would have beat him down too. But these guys did far worse than that. They sold Joseph into slavery, and he ended up being a slave for years, and so they couldn't handle this, and so they, they sold him into slavery, and he ended up in Egypt. While he was in Egypt, he rises up to a guy named Potiphar, and Potiphar was an Egyptian official. He was rich, and Joseph made his way into this guy's house. And as he's in this guy's house, um, some crazy things happen where the, the wife of Potiphar accuses him of trying to take advantage of her. And so Joseph runs away, and, and Potiphar comes back and basically says, you tried to do this, and he gets thrown in prison. And as he's in prison, he meets two shady characters, a cupbearer and a, and a, cup and a baker, and he thinks they're going to help him out, and they don't do that. And so he, he kind of rises up into becoming a prison manager at some point, and once he does that, he thinks he's on his way out, but that doesn't happen for two more years. He's stuck there in prison. And then, finally, one day, Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, can't figure out his dream, and they call on Joseph, and Joseph, with God's help, interprets the dream, and Joseph finally makes it to the rank of second in command of all of Egypt. And so Joseph has this lifelong hurt, this lifelong problem, and Joseph displays forgiveness possibly better than any human being I can think of. Now, Jesus displays forgiveness even better, but Joseph, as far as a human being, describes forgiveness better than anybody else. There's actually more time spent on Joseph and his life in the book of Genesis than anything else, more than creation, more than original sin, more than Noah, more than Sodom and Gomorrah, more than any other person, event, or idea It's spent on the life of Joseph. And when it concludes in Genesis chapter 50, we see that he's all about forgiveness. And it's as if God is saying from the very beginning pages of Scripture that he cares about forgiveness. And he cares about forgiveness and he cares about reconciliation, not only in a family setting, but ultimately between him and us. And that's what the rest of the Bible plays out for us. And so today, we're going to talk about forgiveness. We're going to say, actually, dysfunction ends where forgiveness begins. Right? If you want to do away with dysfunction in your family, sometimes the only way that can end is where forgiveness starts. Now, that doesn't mean everything's taken care of. It just means the way that we start to break down dysfunctional families, and, and by the way, you can only fix your family. You can't fix, and sometimes you can't even do that, is when forgiveness begins. In order to describe forgiveness today, though, I think I'd look at a definition of forgiveness. There's lots of definitions of forgiveness. One definition of forgiveness would be to cease resentment against or to forgive a debt, to cancel something who's owed or someone who's owed something, to pardon or release, to give grace. I love Pete Wilson describes forgiveness as forgiveness is me giving up the right to hurt you for hurting me. And then the best example we have of forgiveness would be Jesus 
as he's on the cross, and ironically, as he's hanging on the cross, paying for the forgiveness of our sins, he looks down and does what? Ask for forgiveness for the people who did this, right? As he's on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And so there's lots of definitions of forgiveness, and so today I don't want to necessarily spend time on that. I want to describe forgiveness based on the life of Joseph. And as I look to describe forgiveness, I hope that there's something that you come away with today that you can see in Joseph's life that might be helpful in your life, and in, because it's not a matter of if you have to forgive, but it's a matter of when you have to forgive. By the way, if you're a Christian today, this is not an optional activity this is something we're called and command to, to do. Uh, it's not easy. I, I don't offer the special, like, three steps on how to do this, and you'll be great at this. I'm just offering a perspective from Joseph's life that I think today will help you as you seek to forgive the people who have hurt you in your life. And so in Genesis chapter 42 through 44, we see Joseph, we pick up the story. Keep in mind, he's second in command of all of Egypt. His brothers, of all people, come. We're going to be in Genesis 45 if you want to flip there. His brothers come to Egypt because they're in a famine throughout the world at this time. In Genesis chapter 42 through 44, Joseph is trying to ascertain if his brothers are genuinely changed people. So he, he comes up with this ploy where he sends them back to where they came from to check on their father and to give them some food to hold them over. And then he asks a question about his younger brother, Benjamin, of all people. And I think what Joseph was doing in, in chapter 42, 43, and 44 is he's trying to decide, are my brothers really repentant? Did they figure this out? Are they going to treat Benjamin the same way that they treated me? But they have no clue that this is Joseph. As far as they knew, Joseph was dead. And so finally, we pick up in Genesis chapter 45, Joseph can no longer control himself. This has been 30 plus years removed from the situation originally. And Joseph finally can't control himself because his brothers thought he was dead. And it says this in Genesis chapter 45, then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants. And he cried out, have everyone leave my presence. So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there's been a famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and no reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then, it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. So after years of frustration and false imprisonment, false accusations, Joseph is face to face with the people who did him wrong. He tells them, I'm Joseph. I'm the one who you sold into slavery. And there's real pain and there's real heartache and there's real anguish in Joseph's life because he finally gets the chance, right? For, for some of you, maybe you long for the opportunity to, to finally confront the people that, you've, that have hurt you. And Joseph is face to face with these people. He can't control himself any longer. And he does a few things that are really interesting. His brothers thought he was dead. But Joseph got alone with the people who had hurt him. For those of you who, who know scripture well, you know that part of 
the command of Jesus is, is that we would go face to face with each other first. It's as if Joseph's modeling Matthew 18 before Matthew 18 ever happens. He gets alone with his brothers and he, he confronts them. He says, you are the ones that sold me into slavery. You are the ones who did me wrong. He's not um, condoning what they did. He's not excusing what he did. He's just acknowledging what happened. And in verses 1 through 3, we see Joseph, he couldn't control himself. For so long, he had wanted to do this. For years, he had sat in a prison. He'd sat as a slave. He'd sat as second in command of Egypt, and he had all this time to process what had happened so many years ago. It's been my experience as a pastor that there are a lot of people, for whatever reason, that have waited years from their whatever hurt happened to them before they ever came to terms with what happened. And so Joseph is in the same place that maybe you are today, and he confronts his brothers. The first thing you need to know about forgiveness is, is that forgiveness is a pursuit. Forgiveness is a pursuit. And the reason I say that is, is that we don't naturally wake up in the morning and decide, I'm going to forgive somebody. We just don't. It's far easier to hold a grudge. It's far easier to spend time thinking about anything else than forgiveness because forgiveness always costs you something. It just does. It costs you the right to be mad, to be angry, to be hateful, to be spiteful. It costs you something. And so the first thing you need to know about forgiveness is his pursuit. Take a look at Genesis chapter 45, verse 4. It says, Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. For two chapters, he had been trying to understand if they were, pers- they, they were really um, repentant. It's interesting. Joseph had every opportunity to just dismiss his brothers. As second in command of Egypt, he could have killed his brothers the moment they came in and asked for food. He could have sent them on a wild goose chase over whatever he wanted. But if forgiveness is a pursuit, he was trying to decide and and ascertain for himself, were they really repentant? And so Genesis 42, 43, and 44 is that whole process. I would encourage you to read the whole story. It's 37 through 50 of, of Genesis. But he's trying to decide. And he could have cast his brothers out at any time, but he continued to pursue forgiveness. The thing that's interesting about Joseph is, is that he wasn't just content with forgiveness. He wanted reconciliation. Those are two different things. Forgiveness is your decision. And reconciliation often takes two people to decide. Joseph never knew if he would see his brothers ever again. And as we'll see in just a moment, I think he decided long ago that he was going to forgive them. But he was not content just to be forgiven of his brothers. He wanted reconciliation, and so he pursued forgiveness, even though it was going to cost him something. And he went after them. It it reminds us of Jesus, right? Jesus came after us. Forgiveness is a pursuit. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so forgiveness at its very core is a pursuit that, that we have to choose to be a part of because we don't naturally wake up and decide we want to forgive people. Reconciliation, by the way, is not always possible. And there's a few times where it just isn't. Romans 12, 18 says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Sometimes it's not, whether it's abuse or um, some other tragic experience. And so I'm not saying that reconciliation is always possible. But for those of you who are believers in this room, forgiveness is. Forgiveness is. 
It's also interesting to note that Joseph didn't just excuse their behavior. He acknowledged their behavior. The second thing you need to know about forgiveness is that it's a process. Take a look at verse 5. It says that, and now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Forgiveness is not only a pursuit that you have to choose to go after, but forgiveness is a process. I believe that Joseph decided to forgive his brothers years ago. Maybe it was in prison. Maybe it when he was in slavery. Maybe it was when he was second in command of all of Egypt. And the reason that I say that forgiveness is a process is he says, and now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. You, the words do not be angry and do not be distressed don't come from somebody who has not forgiven somebody. He's forgiven them, and he decided, I believe, long ago, even though he didn't know that he would see them, that he would forgive them. You see, forgiveness is the start of where we can break down the walls of dysfunction, and forgiveness is where it all begins the other thing that forgiveness does is it's a process, right? It's something that happens over and over again, and I'll talk more about this in just a minute, but the, the other thing you need to know about forgiveness is not only is it a pursuit, not only is it a process, the third thing it is is that forgiveness protects. And we see this in Joseph's life better than I think we do anyone else in Scripture. Don't be distressed and don't be angry. I, those are not the words that I would choose to say to someone who sold me into slavery some 30 years ago. Don't be distressed. Don't be angry. He's protecting his brothers, and we'll see more in, in just a moment how he continues to do this. Forgiveness at its very core protects. Think of what Jesus Christ has done for us. He no longer holds our sins against us. He's protecting us even in forgiveness. Right? He, he doesn't, doesn't think of us that way. And so forgiveness at its very core also protects. The words that Joseph said there were a protection for his brothers. Don't be angry. Don't be distressed for selling me here, verse 5, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. This is so against what our culture would say forgiveness is. And that's why I think it's important to note there's biblical forgiveness and then there's something else. And I'm not saying you haven't forgiven somebody if it's not like this, but as we look at what this is, this is hard stuff. It's a pursuit. It's a process that we have to be committed to. Not only is it a process we have to be committed to, it protects the people involved. And our culture would say things like, forgive and forget. Um, I don't think that's possible as a human, which is why we need forgiveness which is why we need to remind ourselves over and over again, especially for those of you who are Christians in the room, what has been done for us. And when we remember what's done for us, it helps. It's not the, it doesn't always help as much as we'd like, but it does help us as we seek to forgive the people around us. You see, there's only one person who forgets, and that's God, right? He forgets our sins and remembers them no more. Hebrews 8.12 is a quotation of the prophet Jeremiah and he says, for I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. You and I don't have that luxury as humans. 
We remember things over and over and over again. We remember the hurt. We remember the pain, which is why forgiveness is a process that we must be continually committed to, to work through and remind ourselves to forgive those who have hurt us. And so forgive and forget is one of those things that's, that's not possible. But let me tell you what is possible and what is great about forgiveness. Not only is it a process, not only is it a pursuit, not only does it protect, but the fourth thing that forgiveness does is that it gives us the right perspective. Forgiveness gives us the right perspective. Take a look at five through eight, or the second part of five. It says, it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And for two years now, there's been famine in the land, and for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. I think that forgiveness gives us the right perspective. Because when we choose not to forgive, we're choosing to buy into the blindness of like, I'm fine to sit here and hold on to my anger and my resentment. And anger and resentment we know blind us to truth. And so what forgiveness seems to do in Joseph's life, and if you think back to your own life, sometimes when we finally choose to let go of the things that we've been holding on to the most tightly, it's where God finally, we can see what God wants us to see. Sometime between when Joseph was a slave and when Joseph was in prison and when Joseph was second in command of Egypt and all of the events that happened to his life, I think God slowly started to work into his heart and in his life and to help him see, Joseph, this is what I'm going to do. And forgiveness helped him see the right perspective. It was to save lives, right? I don't know if Joseph saw that day one of slavery. Matter of fact, I guarantee you he did not see that day one of slavery. He did not see it when he was probably in prison for the first time or the second time. Famine, right? There's a famine throughout the land. There's a remnant that God is trying to save, And so Joseph starts to see this and understand it in a way that I believe that only was possible because he was able to let go of the things that he was holding so tightly to. Could it be that you're holding on to something so tightly in your family that you can't see and have the right perspective of what God's trying to help you see today? That was the case for Joseph. We find out that the remnant, right, if Joseph... If this all falls apart, God's God and he can do whatever he wants. But you've got the 12 tribes of Israel, which would one day lead to the earthly family of the Messiah, Jesus. And so if you find yourself in a dysfunctional family, keep in mind Jesus' extended family is extremely dysfunctional. And so Joseph tells his brothers, look, you meant this all, right? You sold me away But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here, but it was God. He comes to the realization that God is ultimately in control. And I think that that came through the perspective that forgiveness gives. So if you know the rest of the story, they survived the famine. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, dies. And Joseph's forgiveness is tested one more time, which is why I love the story of Joseph, because it's not just that he did it once, he did it twice. 
And we find the last key descriptor of forgiveness in Genesis chapter 50, if you want to flip over there, verses 15 through 21. So they survived the famine. Jacob, his father, dies. And Genesis chapter 50, verse 15 says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did to him? So they sent word to Joseph saying, your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you were to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now please forgive the sins of the servants of your God of your father. And when their message came to Joseph, he wept. His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to him, do not be afraid. Right? Forgiveness protecting, once again. Do not be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. The last descriptor we have of Joseph's life about forgiveness is that forgiveness doesn't hold a grudge. And this one, this one's, I, yeah, it's tough. But he didn't do it. Joseph didn't hold a grudge against his brother. He, he reassured them. He spoke kindly to him. He said, am I in the place of God? Am I the one that's going to come and, and do this? And he reassured and spoke kindly to his brothers and took care of his children, or their children, excuse me. And so the last descriptor we have of forgiveness is that it, forgiveness doesn't hold a grudge. So don't be afraid. So not only does forgiveness protect and forgiveness pursues and forgiveness is a process and it gives us the right perspective, but it doesn't hold a grudge. So dysfunction ends where forgiveness begins. And you may be sitting there saying, um, okay, how? Because that all sounds good, but I'm not sure I'm buying into to this. Matter of fact, I can see it on your faces. So let me give you a couple clues why I think it can happen. There's a clue to Joseph's life. If you read the story of, of Joseph's life in Genesis 37 through 50, which you've got to read that this week, there's a phrase that happens over and over again in Genesis chapter 37 through 50, and it's this phrase, the Lord was with Joseph. 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 I think it's like eight times it happens. And it's a key reminder that there's, there's, the only way you're going to forgive the people in your life is with the Lord's help. Here's another way to think about it. If you've flown commercially at, at any time, you know they usually do the pre-flight safety briefing where they tell you how to put your seatbelt on and no one pays attention to this, but they have to do it by law. Then they do the part where there's like the, the life raft and how to get your, your uh, life jacket on in case you hit water. Then they do the part about the oxygen mask, right? And the oxygen mask... You've probably zoned out by now, but this is what they tell you. They say, before you put on anyone else's oxygen mask, you got to put it on yourself. And the reason why is if it was a catastrophic failure of the plane where, where there was no pressurization and there was no oxygen, you'd have but moments to get that mask on before you'd pass out. And so they always tell you, they say, first thing you need to do is put that mask on yourself before you ever think about helping anyone else. 
Can I tell you today that the only way that you can offer forgiveness in the way that the Bible describes it and we see in Joseph's life is if you will tap into the life-giving oxygen that only God can give, the forgiveness that only God can extend. And if you've never done that, if you've never breathed that in, you won't breathe it out. You won't be able to extend that to somebody else because you haven't yet to experience it. And so the great news today is if you've never experienced the forgiveness that Jesus Christ offers, you can do that today. But for those of us who are believers and we're trying to forgive the people who are just flat out crazy nutso in our life, and we're saying, how is this ever going to be possible? The Lord was with Joseph. The Lord is with you. And if you will tap into that, you will be able to extend forgiveness. And there will be no other explanation than it was the Lord. It was the Lord who changed my heart to help me see, to help me have the right perspective. It was the Lord that helped me want to protect the people who had hurt me. It was the Lord who helped me let go of all of the hurt that I had been hanging on to. And so if you find yourself today sitting here saying, how on earth can this happen? There's only one way, and it's God. It's God. Ephesians 4, 32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ and God forgave you. There's a link between Joseph and what the Apostle Paul would say what forgiveness should look like. Joseph reassured his brothers and spoke kindly to them. Paul says, be kind. Kindness is the key to forgiveness. And so as we seek to be kind, which is difficult, as we seek to forgive, which may be even more difficult, I have two questions as we wrap up our time today. Number one, are you right with God? Are you right with God? If you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you're trusting, let me say it this way, if you're trusting in anything else other than what Jesus Christ did on the cross and that that's the only way you can have a relationship with him, if you're trusting in anything else, your mom's faith, your church attendance, your morality, whatever it is, if you're trusting in anything else, you're probably not right with God. And so number one, are you right with God? Number two, for those of you who are believers, are you right with God? And we're going to scroll some verses here in just a moment for you to think through. But is there an area you need to ask God for forgiveness of your life? And then lastly, are you right with others? So are you right with God? And number two, are you right with others? If you're not, the good news is that you can be. Forgiveness is your choice. Reconciliation takes two, but forgiveness takes one. And you can decide to forgive someone whether they ever decide to forgive you. And so my hope and my prayer today is that you would choose to forgive the people in your life. That you would choose to accept the forgiveness that only Jesus offers. And that you would continue to choose to trust Jesus for each and everything that you need today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity we have today to look into your word and be reminded that we have been forgiven of so much. And God, we thank you for the sacrifice of your son that makes all of this possible. God, I didn't say that it makes it easy, I said it makes it possible. And so Father, as we look at Joseph's life and as we consider more importantly what Jesus Christ did on our behalf, we're, we're simply grateful today. And we're reminded of the fact that we need you each and every hour. God, I pray for those who in their dysfunctional family today, which is all of us, that maybe there's a, a thing that needs to be forgiven or an event that needs to be forgiven. 
God, I pray that you'd help us to be a forgiving people because we've been forgiven of so much. And God, we know that Joseph was only able to do that because you were with him. And we're thankful to God that you're with us if we would just ask. And so God, I pray that you would do what only you can do, that you would help us extend forgiveness in ways that only you can help us with. And that we would trust you this week with whatever you might lead us to. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.